Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the DJ Sessions Presents the Virtual Sessions. I'm your host, Darren, and right now I'm sitting in the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington, and just a hop, skip, and a jump, or a pond jumper, puddle plane away in Portland, we have Stylist on the other end in his studio. How are you doing today, Stylist? What's good, Darren? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, just getting back to work. We were talking a little about pre-show about all the stuff we've got going on, a lot of the irons in the fire and everything that's been happening. And uh, But first and foremost, I want to say and wish you a very happy birthday. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it was my birthday. Um, had a great day in the studio, went for dinner, worked on some puzzles, had a good time. Is is a puzzles part of one of your pastime favorites? Is it like regular flat puzzles, like, or is it like the box crazy puzzles? Actually, my buddy from um, Costa Rica, Shelby, he's a part of Sleeveless Records. He's been doing these crazy wooden puzzles. They're called Liberty Puzzles with his mom. So they're actually really intricate, cool wooden pieces. And he's been sending me a few of them. So uh, we've been having it. Uh, my friend Ahi has been up from uh, Northern California. So. Him and his girl, Asher, down here. So we hung out and did some puzzling. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, and just about a month ago, you were at Chumbalow, correct? Uh, or was that the mix that was put up a month ago? <laughs> a little further than a month ago. A further, I, thought it was, is, I didn't think um, it was in, in July the now. winter. I thought it was somewhere in July. Yeah. Another, yeah it uh, used Northwest. to be August, but they moved it to July now. Yeah, another Northwest favorite. I had a the opportunity of hearing about that back when I was in college, almost 20 well, actually 20 years ago, I mm-hmm. uh, met the lighting designer when it was just a small little thing. And he was telling me this awesome festival up in Vancouver, you know, outside of Vancouver. Da, 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 da. And um, years later, I was producing an episode of, of my broadcast television series, ITV Short Films. And I managed to interview. They had made a documentary at oh, that yeah. time. And it was the girl whose parents owned the land. And they mm-hmm. finally compiled all this footage together and made this awesome documentary. Uh, you can still find it online somewhere in the wonderful world of YouTube. But uh, I've never been able to make that festival. What was it like being back or being there at Shambhala? I mean, it must I mean be that festival is pretty special to me. Uh, growing up in Vancouver, it was kind of the backyard festival. Um, I think the first year I went was 2003, something like okay. that. So, um, and I think last year was my 13th year playing it (laughs) and it's just such an amazing festival. I mean, I could go on for days about the production and the staff and all the cool stages, but really it's just an amazing family reunion. Um, after touring all the cities around Canada, you know, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, all these places you see all the people that you see at those shows on one dance floor. So it's kind of like almost the all-star game of (laughs) of festivals in Canada is one way to put it. I kind of just freestyled that, but that's kind of what it feels like. And coming back after a two-year hiatus, the the vibes were thick. It It was great. And, and speaking of shows, you have a show coming up here pretty soon in Seattle on January 13th. Tell I us do. a little bit about that and who, who you're working with on that. Uh, yeah, that's going to be uh, – I'm not sure the, who the openers are yet, but um, that's with uh, People Music at the uh, the Monkey Loft January 13th. So come check it out. I haven't been to awesome. Seattle uh, since, I guess, late last year. Um, so really stoked. 
Don't worry about the train engine in the back. You'll probably hear sirens running by my house here. <laughs> one, of the, one of the last worst street corners, although they've cleaned it up in downtown Seattle. Just ask when you get up here about yeah. third and crime oh, or, really? or the blade. <laughs> yeah. Or just ask about the downtown McDonald's. Anyone will tell you. We stay away from that neighborhood, <laughs> even yeah. though it's right in the heart of downtown Seattle. So don't worry. And I just let you know. But um, as far as releases go, you yep. recently just put out a track with uh, Torborn. Did I say that yes. right? Yes. That was, uh, the, the track was Big Boy, but that's also the Big Boy EP as well. Tell us about that collaboration and how that came about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just released Big Boy, which is the first single on the Big Boy EP. Um, got four songs on that. Uh, next single is called The Pacer, and then we got um, In the Zone and Run It Back. Um, yeah, some of the tunes are two years old. Um, that new one, Big Boy, we just whipped up uh, right before Shambhala, actually. Um, so, yeah, uh, Torborn started that one on tour in um, the UK, actually, and he sent me a bunch of dubs to uh, consider for Sleeveless. We actually just brought him on to the label. He's been our media manager and helping us out, and he's an amazing dude, so go check out Torbjorn across the board. Um, also beats by Tor. If you're a rapper, he makes awesome hip-hop beats. And so, yeah, um, he sent me that tune, and there was just some really cool elements in it, but um, the drops needed a bit of a reworking and stuff like that, so that's kind of just where I lended my expertise added a few so uh, sounds and smoothed it out. And uh, yeah, the big boy was born. And then I ended up dropping it um, first song on the Shambhala set when we just like got it mastered the day before I was leaving. So I love stuff like that. That keeps me excited and interested as a live performer type of thing. And did you start DJing first or production first? Which which was the one, or did they both come synonymously at the same time? Um, definitely DJing, actually. I got my turntables in, like, 1999, and I was always a, a huge hip-hop guy. And so I kind of started as a bit of a scratch nerd, just getting the DJ tech tools and scratching and having fun in my buddy's basement and stuff like that. Um, so definitely DJing first, but shortly after... Um, probably 2000, 2001, my brother showed me Sonic Foundry Acid, which I think is one of the first um, programs for making beats, if I'm not mistaken. And so I got started pretty shortly after that. And now you're not only an avid, uh, you're not only a producer, DJ, you're also a, you're an avid hip hop fan, but you're also a skateboarder. Yes, sir. <laughs> how, how, did, how, how was the transition going from hip hop to electronic music was that a slow transition or was it pretty uh, pretty sudden like i like this i want to make this kind of music or i want to play this kind of music tell us about that transition and how that in unfolded it was cool um it, it kind of happened by accident really um i was working with uh mc in vancouver called emotions uh, amazing talented dude and uh we were putting a record together and he basically asked me we had a song and he didn't love the beat for it and he's like, hey, uh, can you make a dubstep remix of this? And I was like, okay, what is dubstep? And uh, let me have a go. So I think I listened to like some Rusko and, uh, and stuff like that. Just the classic, very early kind of 2009, 2010 dubstep stuff. And this is before I even know, knew how to program an LFO and any, any of that kind of stuff. 
But um, we made this remix. It was called the West Coast Remix. And uh, we started playing it at shows, and the energy was just absolutely wild. So kind of from there, we started mixing a little more electronic into our sets. And then um, fast forward maybe three months, six months, I had been collecting a bunch of dubstep that I really liked, and we took about a half an hour at the end of his shows because I was really just the DJ playing beats I made for him and stuff like that. But I was more kind of the background guy and he was, you know, doing his thing, rapping, um, crushing the show. And so at, at the end of the show, we'd find half an hour for me to just kind of DJ and basically introduce a lot of Canada and definitely our hip hop audience to dubstep. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the vibes were just hitting and it was a lot of fun. So uh, nice. it just kind of spiraled from there. And we did a bunch of shows together for probably about four or five years where he was the MC. It wasn't the traditional dubstep set, you know, and I was the DJ and kind of going off that. And uh, yeah, just kind of all from there. Awesome. I want to take a break right here just to give a shout out to Peter Poole and Kyle Veno hey. or Vino Veno. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Uh, they're in the chat room right now coming in off Facebook. So thanks for pairing that channel. What up, boys? What's yeah, up, y'all? Um, how long does it take you to finish a production on average? Um, you mentioned two years. One of the tracks on your new EP was two years, but sure yeah. I know there was a lot of people waiting because they wanted to release it for people to play on the dance floor and there were no dance floors. So, um, but typically how long does it take you to finish a production on, on average? I mean, it really depends, you know, um, an ideal song would probably be finished in, three or four like four hour sessions oh, okay you know what i mean and you'll have 80 percent of the tune done in that first four hour session and then you'll spend the next 16 hours dicking around and making edits that people won't might not even notice but really kind of dialing it in but then again at the same time you know um some tracks can take two months and honestly some of the best tracks i've ever made are pretty much done in one six hour kind of spastic session. So really across the board, I think the best ones are done in just a few sessions though, honestly, because they they come more natural and more forest. And like, once you're at a month of working on the same tune, you're, you're hearing of it and your ears just kind of go out the window and you're kind of digressing on the coolness of that track from there. You're awesome. just trying to make it see fit rather than you know, being like, oh, this is a cool idea that I should develop. Being like, oh, this works. Let's get away with that kind of thing. And back just to, just a bit, I stand corrected. We're going to take just another quick break. It is Vino. 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 And then <laughs> uh, Sarah Sterry. Sarah you got a DMC uh, world champion DJ in the chat. That's DJ Allgood, Peter Poole. Nice. And then uh, Sarah Sterry says, that's my cousin. So proud of you, Jeff. Yeah, what up, Sarah? How you doing? <laughs> so if you in. take a look at your product, I hope that's going to happen a lot more, by the way. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i let you finish your question or answers, but I'll let yeah, them know yeah. as they jump in to give them shout outs. If you take a look at your list of productions you've done so far, which one of those stands out the most to you and why? Oh, that's tough, man. <laughs> I think I have over 100 songs on SoundCloud. So to narrow it down to one is pretty tough. Um, one of my personal favorites is uh, Bandana. I can't remember when I released that one. Maybe 2016, 2017. 
And I, I, I just got this amazing percussive sample that turned into a really badass track. And then um, I debuted it at Shambhala and had all these um, stretchy bandanas that I had made. And I threw out about 600 to the crowd. So everyone was waving their bandana for the first time hearing the song. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty special moment for me, for sure. Have you ever experimented mixing audio and video at the same time? And if not, would that be something for the future? Like, do you mean a live set? Yeah, something like a I mean, video DJ set, a VJ set. Yeah, kind of like a VJ set, um, or and or really. just visuals that maybe would represent your tracks, and then yeah. have side visuals that go with it. Like, you're not having a VJ do your VJ, and you'd be mixing the video and audio at the same time. Yeah, I have a few dudes that actually kind of make um, background stuff that looks good for certain tracks. Usually, it's singles for the album, like for my activated single. I had this 3D toad rendered because that was the album cover, cover, this very colorful toad. And so he made this kind of plug-in that I can give to different VJs on the road. And then they can put me inside the mouth of the toad and stuff like that. So honestly, on the graphics tip, uh, it's a little bit too much to delve into. Although a live VJ set would be really cool. My homie Matt the Alien used to do um, some really sick VJ sets, but uh, I haven't pulled one off yet. <laughs> and you do have Twitch channels, one for yourself and one for your label. Um, what was your experience like? Did you do any live streaming before 2020? Or is that something that, that you kind of also got into with everyone else in, in 2020? Yeah, that was definitely um, a pandemic-infused situation. Um, I did do one of the first live streams after the pandemic with this crew out in um, uh, New York, which actually turned out really cool. And that just got me really excited. And so I started building my own channel. I didn't really stream regularly. And I kind of waited for, um, you know, those online festivals or cooler opportunities that I could kind of jump in and get in a lineup of guys and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it when it didn't crash on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, my phone was ringing off the hook for the first half of 2020 i believe um, it. you got a good runway into that you were live streaming uh, yeah before the masses yeah before it and, and podcasting on the back end that's our whole back end server is basically one big podcast but we do the live stream and then everything goes into our podcast feeds um mm -hmm. now question on everyone's mind and this is the big big one and i'm trying to press this as much as i can the metaverse have you done anything or looked at doing anything in the metaverse <laughs> I mean, I've invested in uh, crypto coins that are doing terrible. <laughs> we don't want to um, talk about that. <laughs> other than that, I did do um, one show where they did do a virtual club kind of thing where I was kind of on the big screen and they had kind of an avatar doing this where you could kind of walk along a few portals. But um, I haven't been to the metaverse yet, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's there. It's in its infancy. I mean, there was. I remember talking with the guy. I want to say maybe 2019, and he was doing VR nightclubs. Yeah. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't until I got my Oculus in 2021, and I put the thing on, and two days later, I went and bought my mom and dad one, and said, "You're gonna love this." And my dad was like, "Yeah." My mom's like, "I don't play video games." I'm like. Come on, it's not video games. I know you're your son, and I grew up with Nintendo and Atari and all that fun stuff, and had to have every new cartridge as they came out. But uh, no, VR is so much different than that. I mean, it will never replace the real world experience. 
Um, but you what I'm more <laughs> yeah, no, no, it won't. Um, but we're you know we're getting ready to grand open two of our virtual reality nightclubs. They're they're soft open right now. Uh, we're we're hanging all the artwork as of today. Well, that's uh, we're really really excited for that. But um, the next thing though that I think is going to be really big, and this is for real in life shows, is uh, augmented reality. Have you been part of? Has okay. it, have you ever had anyone talk with you, or have you been part of any stage design is in implemented augmented reality, or is that something you've heard as a buzzword? Like, no, your maybe DJs might point that further to me. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is right now your augmented reality experience is pretty much like this. Okay. You know, you're using your phone to check everything out. Once the glasses or whatever Apple's going to call them or Microsoft's going to call them, once those come out, that's going to be where now you're wearing it. Right. And you're going to be able to look around and your stage design could be really awesome, but I could be at a venue and I could look up the ceiling and be like, I want to see the, instead of just seeing a roof, I could be like, I want to see the Milky Way. So when I look up, the Milky Way is there. Or you could have like picture frames on the wall, you know, and, and every time you go to the club, the picture frames will change and have different animated images mm. or different, you know, 3D images, or you could have animals flying through the ceiling and, and just crazy stuff I think is going to happen and really change. So that these are like devices that are going to make real life experiences kind of even cooler. Is that the idea? Like, yeah, exactly. It's not Case like you're of, just standing in your room and everything's minimal. No, no, no. They'll, they'll, you'll be able to wear these out in public. Like for instance, oh. you know, we do silent, silent concerts or better known as silent disco events. Yeah. And when you change the channel, there's different colored channels we could create a different augmented reality experience for each color of different channels. Wow. So, you know, if we have the blue channel, everything could be blue and all the animals and everything could be blue, but then you switch it, it could be a completely different experience with everything in red or everything in purple or everything in Maybe. green or orange. <laughs> and, and because our headsets go a thousand feet, we could go to a park and map the whole park. And even though our stage is here, you walk away with the headsets out here, but you're still having an augmented reality experience in the whole park. Wow. And there's those sirens I was telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> so, Another drug dealer gone down. Uh, they have <laughs> if I could tell you some stories that happens on this street corner. I um, but um, yeah. So speaking about stage performances, mm -hmm. do you become a different person when you get on stage or uh, do you get a different person when you're off stage or is, stylist the same on and off stage um i definitely do get a, a burst of energy usually i'm pretty like reserved um chill guy off stage but um i don't know like it doesn't matter if i've had a few drinks or if i'm dead sober or if i'm sick and i feel like dying once i'm a few songs into my set just kind of the energy of the set takes over for me and i think i enjoy it hopefully as much as the fans are kind of thing. So I just kind of really get in my zone. And a lot of people tell me I'm a very kind of high energy performer, which is, is definitely probably true, but uh, I don't know. That's just kind of how I vibe with it and how I get into it for sure. I definitely want to give shout outs to hope I say this right. Sato 81 and Sato. Jacob Hickardle. Um, nice. Yes. And Jacob is correct. Peter don't go to McDonald's down here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to play a party where only 20 people showed up for, would you finish your set and make it a hell of a party? Or have you ever had a party where just there wasn't that many people there, but you still showed up and just gave it your all? Of course. Yeah. I mean, when you're, you're starting uh, your career and you're just kind of making your name for yourself, 
that happens, you know, one out of three shows. And hopefully they don't book you in a 700-person venue and 30 people show up. Hopefully it's, you know, a 200-person venue and 70 people show up. And you know what? I, I have – I play the exact same set. I have just as good a time as long as the people there are into it and are having a good time. Like I say, I kind of get lost. It doesn't matter if I'm playing – a massive stadium show or a smaller club show i'm kind of giving the same performance because i'm just kind of going through my motions and and enjoying it as well <laughs> and um you mentioned you know playing a venue that they hopefully don't book you at a 700 person venue and 30 people show up you know or <laughs> at a 200 person venue and 70 people show up that's good what measures do you take to actively promote yourself your releases and, and your career is yeah. solid pr an, an important asset for DJs, producers to have? I mean, these days, I think it's, it's almost everything, you know, you're, and I've like, since the pandemic, I've kind of fallen back from the social media stuff a little bit. Cause it was just, it was pretty overwhelming. I was living downtown LA at the time. Uh, the BLM movements were going on the, uh, the, what's it called? Um, National guard was on my block with Uzi's you know, uh, all DJ friends were getting canceled left and right. And like, um, yeah, so it's it's definitely a huge part of everything we do. And I'm, tr I'm trying to get back into the swing of it uh, now. As an older artist, it's tough to have the same hype and excitement. You're not making a post every time some DJ downloads your track or something like that, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, I run my own label and... So social media and videos and live streams are of uber importance, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> I, I understand the running it all, putting having all the irons in the fire in the back end. I just had to explain to one of my resident DJs the other day to kind of their, their kind of pseudo manager, everything that's going on. And when you put it all together, you're like, like even some of my residents will be like, how do you do all this? Yeah. I can barely find time in the day to stream or produce my tracks, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, well, this is kind of a full-time job for me, but there's like seven different aspects that are all full-time jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you got to wear um, a lot of hats in this industry for sure. I remember years ago, the DJ uh, by the goes by the name of Paulo Mojo. I'm not sure if he's still around. I was interviewing him at a, at a club here in Seattle. And he said, I went out and I started my own label and I found out I was really terrible at it and it went nowhere. Mm -hmm. It was finally when I started to delegate and I let somebody else run my label for me that it actually started to take off. Yeah. And I would focus back on the music production and the DJ and performance side of things, but let my label be handled over here by a manager. I think that's one of the hugest things that I found is to delegate things. Yeah. Um, you know, but even now when I delegate, more gets piled on the plate. <laughs> Yes, true. So, because um, we're getting I mean, ready. To yeah, that's true. With uh, Sleeveless, we have um, three amazing staff members now. We have Aaron Silverstein, who's the co-founder with me, and um, Shelby as well, and James Foster, and now Torborn. So I guess we got five of us now. Eh. I can't say I'm always the best delegator. I'm not the boss that says, hey, do this, yada, yada. I kind of expect people to kind of come up with their own ideas and shoot them out. But now I've got people in their uh, respective places that are killing it. And it frees up a little bit of time for me, but stuff with social media, you just have to do yourself anyway. No one can yeah. pretend to feel what you're feeling or go through your day for you. So 
as far as uh, saving time, it just kind of, it's, it's not doing that, but um, it's definitely getting the message out to the people, which is the most important thing. And yeah. I really enjoy owning my own record label to being a, to keep all the, all the half pennies for every uh, time you listen to the song, but also just to be able to, you know, schedule my own releases and um, put them out the way I want and keep full ownership of my music, which I think, you know, moving forward in the next 10 years, a lot of these other guys that gave up their music to the labels and they're going to see, you know, a few million streams 10 years from now and stuff like that. And the labels might've been folded or they don't have, a good system in place to pay out the artist or an automated system and stuff like that. So, I mean, try and keep your own music or uh, work with labels that are, you know, your family and are going to stick around with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's one of the endeavors that we're taking is to create our own label. I'm just in the process, have the check sheet to go through with one of my guys from the UK. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's just an interesting process because it's like, what do we want our sound to be like? Are we going to mm -hmm. open it up to other people? Are, are we going to make it just our residence? You know, how yeah. are we going to go about doing this? And and what do we want to spend on each yeah. track? <laughs> and it's not a just bit of a money pit for sure. Yeah, but. exactly. It's like, hmm, okay. Um, and we're, we're trying to plan this out for all of 2023. How often do we want to release? You know, mm -hmm. what are we looking at? Do we come off like with a big track and then scale it back and then come with a medium and then come with a big. And then, you know, this is all new to me and I've never really done a and R myself either. I can listen to music. And be like I like that, but is mm -hmm. it a good song just cause I like it? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's uh, kind of an interesting thing that I'm going to find out over the course of the next year and hopefully forever. But um, you're right about maintaining those rights. I think a lot of people get caught up that they're going to, you know, I'm getting signed to a label and and mm -hmm. everything's gone, you yeah. know, and, and you're right. And they just produce all these songs and when they could just form their own label. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's definitely a, a longer term process and a lot of work has to be put in, but to see residual income, which we should, we should all be striving for in this day and age as we're all sole proprietors and stuff like that, um, will go a long way in the future. So, and that kind of creates your budget and what you spend like, um, now I've kind of dialed it in where we're not putting outside money in the label. We're taking from the residuals and reinvesting that, you know what I mean? It did definitely take a lot of money to start up, but, um, you know, after the ball starts to get rolling, um, it's, it's well worth it, I think. Yeah. And, and unfortunately I've had to have the conversation with a lot of DJs producers over the years of saying, you know, this is a business and in any business you have to make an investment. Time is one, mm -hmm. one of those, pieces of the pie in the investment social mm -hmm. media is another piece of the pie but you have to make an, even getting equipment is mm -hmm. piece of the pie you know playing shows for free to get your name out there is a piece of the pie but it all goes into what i go back to accounting it's 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 you know your sweat equity you yeah, know and you can build that over time to where now like you said those half pennies have now made that you're not putting your own investment money into it anymore mm -hmm. you know it may i don't know what your books look like but if I took the books that I have for the DJ sessions and all the sweat equity I put into or mm -hmm. a goodwill um, that is accountable for, you can yeah. add that in and, and value a company based on the goodwill put in. Um, we'd be in the red for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And we definitely were too, for sure. So it's just part of the game, really try and stick with it and don't, um, don't get discouraged, you know? So, 
quick question, switching gears here a little bit. Who is your favorite artist outside of electronic music and why? Whew. Damn, that's so tough. I listen to so much different music. I love indie rock. I love old grunge rock. I love hip hop. Um, I mean, my favorite hip hop group has got to be Tribe Called Quest. I just mind read you there. Did you? <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say Tribe. I don't know you why. Gonna, yeah, so you can see all the vinyls back there. I could pull out and tell you a hundred other favorite artists. Um, what I've been really into, actually, um, who's on Sub Pop, a Seattle label, mm -hmm. his Band of Horses is probably one of my favorite wow. bands yeah. of all time. I haven't um, heard that name for a long time. music is just so vulnerable and so catchy. And, yeah, I mean, we used it. Um, no one's going to love you for our wedding song and stuff like that. So uh, something about that is psychedelic rock uh, it just it hits me in the right place <laughs> and and having such a musical influence of so many genres in your, in your background that was an inspiration to you do you feel that you're an inspiration to others do you get fan mail do you get those social media do you get that that i guess the modern equivalent of fan mail would be somebody like saying something on instagram or yeah. making a post or tagging on Twitter, Facebook, or TikTok. Um, do you feel you're an inspiration to others? And not just uh, from your fans, but to other producers and DJs out there. I mean, I really hope so. I definitely um, do get some amazing uh, messages in the, in the email box. And uh, I try and just, uh, you know, be the best person I can at the venue, at home, and stuff like that. So I try and be a role model for other DJs as best I can. Um, and yeah, like definitely, um, coming up, you know, uh, kind of the formative years, maybe that was 2012 to 2015 for me, I had so many people, um, from Canada, like I moved to the States from Canada, which was a big move. Um, just so many people that were supportive and said, Hey, you're going to make it bro before I had made it and just keep doing what you're doing. And of course, every artist has self doubt probably once or twice a day, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I definitely credit a lot of those um, early friends and fans for uh, messaging me and just basically telling me to keep doing what I'm doing and it's going to pay off. And, and luckily they were right for the better part of it. <laughs> what's, what's the sweetest or nicest thing that a fan has ever made for you? Have you ever received a gift from a fan that you weren't expecting? Like they waited all the time so your set was over, waited till you were coming out of the club and said, here you go. I made this um, for you. I think probably the coolest and the first one happened to me um, was my first fan at Shambhala that brought, because uh, they have a bunch of banners and totems and stuff like that. And they had a, a totem specifically for me that they brought down to the set. I think it was 2013, 2014 or something like that. And I was like, stylist makes my heart beat or something like that. And I was just clearing out my parents' basement um, a couple weeks ago and turns out it's still down there. So it's, um, that's one that comes to mind, although I've, I've received some awesome stuff throughout the years for sure. And what defines success for you? I've thought about that a lot and it's really hard, um, kind of to judge success, um, when you're, cause Obviously, we, I have a lot of DJ peers, and some are up here, some are down here, some are right here. You know what I mean? If you judge success against all your friends, you're really kind of pitting them 
as adversaries and stuff like that. So to me, I think success um, is just to be able to make a living, um, have a comfortable workspace and, you know, be happy with uh, your day to day life. So, uh, you know, we just bought a house. I got an awesome studio. I got an amazing wife who takes care of me every day. So um, that's how I judge success. And hopefully, you know, it, it, it goes beyond just, you know, a music or a single doing well or having a good year at festivals and stuff like that. I think, you know, it's just being able to be comfortable. And I don't think I'll ever be comfortable, but, you know, because <laughs> um, once you get to a certain point, you're always looking at the next and, in yada yada but success to me you know music industry is extremely tough and you know especially in the last six years there's been such an influx of djs and producers as software and and stuff makes it a lot easier barrier to entry you know i used to have to go find a record and sample it on you know and it's just there was no splice there was, it was a much different fucking process <laughs> you know what i mean so um, yes. I kind of forget what your question was at this point, but <laughs> oh, it was just what defines the success. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just being happy and uh, and yeah, uh, I guess the point I was making was it's really hard to make a living out of music, and so to see any sort of um, financial success and gain—that's success in itself. Uh, don't worry about awards and accolades and uh, comparing yourself to these other top artists, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Just uh, enjoy yourself and enjoy your time and and don't take it for granted when um, you're getting booked for shows out of town and doing well. Go spend some time out of the hotels, spend some time with the promoter, go to the record shops. Don't sit in the hotel and watch Property Brothers, you know what I mean? Really take it all in. And that's kind of something I learned from the pandemic. Um, Pre-pandemic, I was a little burnt out on touring and I was kind of happy it happened almost you know what i mean which it seems really weird but i was just kind of at that point and now i'm like clawing trying to get it back to where i was pre-pandemic so you know who knows <laughs> yeah i want to give a shout out to evan mcginnis who just joined us as well oh, up, evan. Um, and Legend. so does, does your wife enjoy listening to you to your music that you produce is she a fan of the the uh let me go bass heavy yet timeless sound uh, yeah, she's also always been a massive supporter, and she has to listen to my music on loop for hours at a time. So you'd have to ask her that question and ask her to be really honest to get a, a real answer from that. And uh, but you know, um, sometimes what is cool if I'm if I'm working on an idea and she likes it, and this is maybe one out of 10, 20 ideas, she'll pop it and say, "Hey, that's pretty cool." <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "Okay, maybe I am onto something here." <laughs> <clears throat> But she's always been amazingly supportive and you know she's my tour manager when we go on the road together and she's helped a lot with my other management and label stuff so yeah super supportive and i'm super and, thankful love you courtney and we've talked a lot about the industry the ins and outs uh difficulties of rising up in it and making it ahead if there was one thing you could change that bothers you about the electronic music scene what would that be and how would you go about it? Change it. Well, I can tell you one thing I like about the electronic music scene because I was into um, hip hop before. And with hip hop, you have to have so many check boxes. You have to have this image 
you have to have this amount of money, you have to have this, you know, um, just to for people to accept you. And what I like about electronic music is you can be from anywhere, you could have any laptop, you could be any race, color, creed, whatever, and and people aren't really judging you on your appearance or where you're from. It's really the music that speaks for itself. So that's one thing I really like about the industry. Things changing, I think, I just would like to see more people be unique to their sounds. You know, I enjoy, if I hear a song I really like, I might make another production that's inspired by that. And that's just art in general. Art is, is supplied by previous art and you just kind of build and build and building blocks and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I guess um, to move out of generic patterns and sounds um, is going to be very important moving forward. If you look at what's really popping, it's in the bass music scene. Anyway, it's called weird left field bass now. So it's it's sounds that are like new to people's ears or more minute rather than just like heavy hitting kind of screechy stuff, which I'm happy everyone's moving away from a bit. I think it's, we got to make it more everyday listenable, which has always been my goal is making timeless electronic music, which is extremely hard because genres and stuff move so fast and things get forgotten and we're supposed to put out nine singles a year and times that by a million artists. You just like, it's a library of chaos. So um, yeah, my, my always goal has been to do more timeless stuff. And I have a few songs that have uh, stand, stood the test of time, but a lot of it doesn't. So back i got i got a follow-up question to that but want to make sure i get kyle vino's shout out to court and the bunny in there and also <laughs> james Riv rivera as well shout out to him with the advent of ai hitting the art world um you know i recently read a story it was maybe three months ago that a person submitted a piece of ai artwork to a contest and won wow <laughs> and you know how that I was, I saw another friend of mine, he was in the 2d world and he, he switched genres over to the 3d environment, 3d world. But you know, that 2d world kind of getting crushed by AI now coming uh -huh. out. Um, what is your thoughts when, cause it will happen when AI hits the music world uh, and maybe it's already there. I think there was a, a guy who was already doing the, he take the song from one artist and take the beat from another artist and he combine them together via AI and make these tracks and kind yeah. of got kind of viral famous for it. But the day could be, I want to say, I want 124. I want house. I want it groovy, funky guitar. Yeah. And boom. And it's going to make me this, this whole thing, you know, this track. I mean, you kind of saw this with a little bit of like garage band where you kind of pick things, but you'd still pull instruments in and out of what it could randomly generate for you. But what are your thoughts on AI entering into the music place? I mean, it has a great chance of uh, taking over a good portion of music, unfortunately, you know, and, uh, but one thing I think AI can't do, um, which has happened to me a few times is happy accidents. Whereas when you make a mistake and that turns into a whole new idea kind of thing, a lot of my best songs and biggest tunes have a happy accident in them where that kind of took the song to the next level. 
But I mean, if you need a song for your Caramilk or your, um, you know, Mars bar uh, <laughs> commercial, I'm sure in the future you can be like, I want a chocolatey, smooth beat with a drip of caramel, and uh, I'm sure it'll come through for you, you know? Yeah, I'm, 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 it's going to be interesting to see when that day comes out. Um, yeah. You know, the, the word on the street from, you know, I was at ADE um, about a month and a half ago, and, you know, talking with artists about AI, oopsie, that's not supposed to be there. How did that get into the... How did that get in there? Well, as soon as we start talking about AI, here come pops up right. A bot. Here comes pop up some bots in the chat. I tried to actually delete it out of the chat oh, room, okay. and instead of deleting it, will not it, be deleted. Actually showed it. <laughs> That's gonna be a funny little happy accident. Anyways, exactly. um, your, oh maybe they can make happy accidents. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all doomed. <laughs> but no, the, the talk was you know we were talking a lot about NFTs and how that might change the gameplay. Yeah, play, but now you know because crypto's down, not a lot of people are looking at it as a viable form. But I think there's there's still relevancy in it. But AI coming in, and I think the one thing is people said it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have a heart, it wouldn't have a soul. I think adding in that happy little accident, something you go, oh wow, yeah. that that never would have happened. You know, um, it's going it to make um, human producers really have to dig a lot deeper. That's for sure. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's been a great time talking with you. Is there anything else you want to let our DJ Sessions fans know before we let you go? Uh, nope. Just uh, I hope you guys enjoy the new album. You can go um, pre-save it now on my Instagram, instagram.com slash stylistbeats. Um, do me a birthday present favor. Save the album. Helps the AI algorithm overlords, and you will be the first to hear it as it comes out. It'll it'll actually be out by um, midnight tonight, which is exciting. So, yeah, go check out my new big bo album, Big Boy. And uh, I thank you so much, Darren, for your time as well, man. It was a Absolutely. Blast. And everyone out there, don't forget about the show coming up on yeah. Ju uh, January 13th at the Monkey Loft. Um, yeah, that'll be a fun show. And also, where can people find, where's the best place for people to find out all the information about you and what you do? Uh, we have stylusbeats.net, and um, all my social medias are either stylusbeats or just stylist. Um, check me out on Spotify, uh, stylist. I have my whole collection there. Awesome. Again, thank you for coming on the show, stylist. It's a great honor to have you on the show, and we're going to definitely be following up with you. You're only, like I said, a pawn skip away from us. So hopefully, yeah, see come you out to the see. show, bro. We'll get you on the list. Definitely, definitely will. Uh, we'll talk about that after the show because i'd love to come see it in, in person again thanks for coming on the dj sessions today bless man appreciate you no worries on that note don't forget to go to our website the dj sessions.com find us on twitch twitter tiktok instagram meta we're out there but the best place to go where all our social links are is the dj sessions.com you can also find us on roku amazon fire google play apple tv find us in the metaverse and vr and download our mobile app so you can just take us on the go being why wouldn't you want to? You can get all of that and more at thedjsessions.com. I'm Darren, coming to you from the virtual studios in Seattle, Washington. That's Stylus coming in from Portland, Oregon for the DJ Sessions. And remember, on the DJ Sessions, the music never stops. <laughs>